This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. You are listening to the Next Best Picture podcast, and this is Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for The Sea Beast, Chris Williams, and producer Jed Slanger. There was a time when sea beasts would ravage our shores and no ship was safe on the sea. But those days are over. Today, valiant warriors battle the beasts far beyond the horizon. Jacob Holland, a weapon against nature's darkest design. And I'm joining your crew. Oh, no, you ain't. Hey, put me down! Let me go! We'll be off to kill a monster! Ow! You stowed away? I... yeah. No, I like this kid. We're dropping you off at the nearest port. Hunting ship ain't no place for a kid. But you joined the ship when you were my age. Hold on, Daisy! And look at you now. That's not the same thing. Isn't it? No, it isn't. The Dragmore's thick with monsters. Monsters that want to eat us. We're not keeping it. But he's so cute. You and I? have a different idea of cute. Just don't move. Just be going. I see a fire in her. Same fire I saw in you. Monsters I can handle. We got it right where we want it. That one. She'll be the death of me. <laughs> I swore I would do everything in my power to keep people safe. You can be a hero and still be wrong. The ocean has sent us its worst. Then we'll send it right back. wanted a pet. That's not a pet. But I already named it. Let me guess. Blue. Chris and Jed, thank you so much for talking to me about the Sea Beast. Congratulations on the Oscar nomination. Pretty incredible. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. 
Thanks. So Chris, it's your third. Jed, it's your first. Where were you? How did you find out about the Oscar nominations? Were you were you watching live or did you like try to avoid it? Mm, uh, it was more the latter, I think. Um, the more I talk to people, the more I feel like we all kind of play this game in the lead up to the nominations where we talk to ourselves about the fact that it doesn't matter um, and awards don't mean anything. And, and there really is a truth to the idea that people art is is subjective right it's not an objective thing and and you know every every audience member is entitled to their own opinion about a movie or a story or any work of art and and their relationship uh with that thing shouldn't be affected in any way by whether it's nominated by for something or win something um and so you go through this exercise of telling yourself that none of this actually matters um but when it comes down to it we do work really hard on these movies and we ask hundreds of people to join us on the journey when we make these movies and i know you know specifically for the cbs this was a really big and really ambitious movie and we were asking a lot of our crew i thought they did an amazing job and so it, it really was honestly nice to see that their work was recognized in that way but i did make the choice to not uh tune in and 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 get up early and and be there for the announcements and and uh, so when I woke up, I, I checked my phone and there was a really nice text message from someone who'd worked on an amazing, um, uh, Pam Ribbon, who'd worked on um, uh, an amazing uh, short film called uh, My Year of Dicks. And she said, uh, I will see you at the Oscars. And so then I knew, and that was very exciting. And of course that was followed by a flood of, of, um, of, of congratulatory texts. That's awesome. Totally. Jed, what happened um, with you? Uh, yeah, I mean, definitely the talking about how it shouldn't matter and I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be feeling nervous leading up to it and all those things definitely happened and talking myself out of why I thought it should, why it was important or wasn't important. Uh, no question. But, but yeah, I mean, a, a huge thing for me, of course, is like, you know, assembling the team and putting the team together and like going through the pandemic, especially too, it was such a hard movie. It was, it was going to be a hard movie regardless of the pandemic, you know? And so then to go through all that and then, I mean, to get the nomination, because even if I don't want it to be important, it's totally important. It's totally important to everybody on the movie. It's important to our industry and to me, man, growing up and wanting to work in movies, you think, you know, you think about winning an Oscar, you definitely think about getting nominated. If you could even get that, what amazing things it would be, right? So I was super excited. I'm a total dork and I do like a um, Oculus uh, exercise and my wife had to actually knock hit me on the shoulder and say, Hey, you should look at your phone. And because I had, I, not that I forgot, but I sort of was like willfully just like, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. So she, she caught me in my dorky exercise moment. And it was like, Oh, so Jed, were you, you were then in some whole other reality. Um, I was literally in another news. reality. You had to come I, back to this reality to get that's the news. Right. Yeah, there's this thing it's called virtual reality so i wasn't actually physically there but i was <laughs> virtually there but yeah so but it was so dorky and i was sweaty and i was like oh my god like th is this is how this moment plays out is that like mm. yeah and, and it was and also because my friend from the east coast had texted me who lives in new york and was like dude they said the, the girl from get out said your name <laughs> 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 that's amazing it, did your wife get a good video of that moment i feel like that's gotta be no she's mer she was very merciful on me actually daniel <laughs> so she did not she showed great mercy gotcha, very, gotcha. yeah i i actually I, I haven't told that story very often so um so you know you feel free to use it or not expose my dorkiness it's fine oh we definitely will we definitely will oh, thank you thank you <laughs>
appreciate it. It is actually a very, if for, it, for a lot of people, it is like a tangible thing. You can get, you can get your head around it being nominated for an Oscar. And, and I think specifically of my mom, you know, and, and, and friends back home, when you try to explain what it is to, to work on an animated movie, it can be pretty abstract to explain the process, this years long process involving hundreds of people working in this, this kind of virtual environment um, of the movies that we make. And, and it's, it's difficult to explain what you do for a living. And, uh, but this, my mom understands. And so it's pretty exciting for her. That, that I will only second that for my mother. This was like, she's talked to more friends in the last, like, you know, a couple of weeks than she has probably over like three, three years. I have, you know, all these people congratulating her and everything. And it's so true that it is a tangible thing that we all understand about the movie business. Uh, and producing is definitely not. So I can tell you that. Like, even I don't know what Jed does for a living, I honestly. <laughs> I was just going to say that. But even I know Chris, he's been nominated yeah. for an Academy Award. There you so. go. There you he go. Knows he learned my respect. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, for both of you, this was this is your first film at Netflix after after many years at, at other studios. Obviously, Chris at Disney and, and Jed, you at DreamWorks, um, working on incredible projects in both places. What did you find different this time around about putting together this project at Netflix? Um, well, uh, the short answer is, is almost everything. Um, I had worked at, uh, at Disney animation for about 25 years and it was really my only grown up job I ever had. And, and I, I work, I have great friends that still work there I had great relationships. And, and there was, you know, there was a way that Disney made movies and it, and it was a very effective, uh, it's a very, very effective, um, way. And, and, and they're just stacked with talent there. And, and so um, when I left, there was no sort of negative propulsion to it. It was more just I'd reached a, a milestone where I'd been there 25 years, which was almost exactly half of my life at that point. And, and I made the decision that I need to at least, um, I wasn't sure if I was going to become a Disney lifer or not. Uh, it, was, it was potentially in the cards for me, but I wanted to kind of educate myself and see what else was out there so that if if that's what was going to be the my career path that it was a choice as opposed to something that just was happening to me you know um so i i looked at what else was going on in the other studios and 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 when i when i met the folks at at netflix animation um it felt like the opposite in almost every way to my experience at disney um, and part of it was it was it was Disney is this eternal institution, you know, it's been around forever and and for all of my life. And, and when you work at Disney, you are the caretaker of that legacy and you, and then you hand it off. Right. Um, whereas Netflix animation was this thing that was just coming into being. They were literally building the walls uh, of the place when I went to visit it and and they um were certainly open to new new kinds of stories and new ways of doing things and and they had a you know a really interesting eclectic group of people that were that were joining in those early days and, and it just felt like um like a, a whole new experience and and what i started to come to terms with was i was actually very comfortable at disney but i was concerned about becoming complacent you know and and i feel like that can be sometimes the the enemy of of art and and creative expression and so i made the choice to throw myself make myself uncomfortable throw myself into something brand new and and that was netflix animation and and i sure we it was it was uh bananas you know they were as i said they were literally building the walls um the 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 walls weren't very soundproof so we could all hear each other's editorial bays it was it felt like chaos 
but it's sort of a glorious kind of joyous kind of chaos um and 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 very different from what i experienced up to that point and and so yeah it was uh for me i just needed to throw myself into something radically different change for its own sake yeah what you jed what was different this time around Oh, that's a lot. I mean, you know, I think one of the things of working in a studio for a long time, too, is that like, you know, they have a way of doing things, you know, that's tried and true. And sometimes and and the results, no, you like to believe that the results are actually tied to the the method, right? And and sometimes that is totally true. And sometimes it's not. And, and sometimes it feels like, like you've been working within that for so long that it feels like you have to like, you need like to, 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 to breathe and to sort of understand. It's just like, fundamentally, I, I don't, I, it's hard to separate my separate myself from the institution in a way. Right. And so that was a big thing that I was thinking about too. And then, you know, I've worked on a lot of great animated films and, and, and great experiences. Uh, but like, I, I really firmly believe that animation still has lots of different kinds of stories that it can tell and reach people. And one of the things I was really looking for after that time at DreamWorks was like, what's another kind of movie to tell? What's another story to tell? What's a way to push the, push the medium? How do we, how do we do something that's super interesting? Uh, Netflix was new, obviously at that time, Chris was already there and he was working on his project. And, and I was lucky enough, honestly, just to meet with him, talk to him about his movie, read a script that he had, which is totally different from the movie that we made. But, but at the time it was super exciting and it didn't feel like an animated movie that I'd ever seen or worked on or anyone even talked to me about. <laughs> so I was like, you know, man, this is it. This is, I got to try it. And Chris truly, and I, you know, I'm going to embarrass him, but he's such a great guy. And it was such a great meeting and that like, we were able to, you know, really connect and, and talk about the story and all these things. And it was such an easy way. I was like, man, I'd be an idiot not to do this, man. And, and I honestly, and it, but it did take, it was getting over the fear. It definitely was for me. It was like, and my wife and I talked about it a lot. And, and I basically, you know, ultimately it was like betting on myself and what I thought that I knew that I could do. And I knew that I could support Chris and what he was trying to do, even though it was freaking huge. And, and, and we had never and Netflix wasn't really a studio yet. And we were going to be working in a different way than I'd worked before. But I just was like, you know, this is too special. This feels really right. And, and that's, and it still feels that way. Honestly, when people see it and they talk to me about it, I still feel that way about it. So, uh, and not to say it wasn't a long and a hard road, but, but I feel really fulfilled by the movie. And so it, it was, it was tremendous. I think you make a good point that, you know, when you're in an institution like Disney or, or dreamers, even if it's functioning really well, um, there's, there's the question that where you, you know, you know who you are within that institution, but you start to wonder who you are, you forget who you are outside of that institution. And, yeah. and so there's something to the idea of challenging yourself and, and continuing to throw yourself in, into new circumstances um, as a way of sort of, you know, exploring uh, you, the deeper into um, what's possible creatively, you know? Yeah, totally. Well, Jed hinted at it. I know, I know animated projects as big as this often change so much throughout production. So tell me a little bit about the evolution of this story and how different the Sea uh, Beast, the final film is from what you initially pitched. Well, uh, it's quite different. Um, the uh, and every, it's not just the Sea Beast. Every movie that I've worked on, and every movie that I've been around or involved with in any way, um, that that turned out to be something really special, has evolved quite a bit over the course of the years of, of production. And so I really, 
you know, made my peace with the idea that that stories are going to change and change is good. And 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 so I just kind of roll with it. And I'm always sort of trying to challenge my assumptions and and hopefully uh, work in an environment and foster an environment where people feel comfortable um, disagreeing with each other, disagreeing with me, kind of mixing it up and seeing what we can do to make the, the story better, make the movie better. And 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 yeah, the Sea Beast was no exception. Um, there are you know, there's probably a, a list of thousands of things that, that change and evolve over the course of the creation of the story. Um, but one of the, 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 the seismic changes um, was the, the, um, the appearance of the, the character of Maisie Brumble. People who've seen the movie would be surprised to know that she actually was not in the initial script that Jeb would have read. And, and she was not even in the first set of story reels, which is like our initial approximation and storyboards of what the final film is going to be. Um, we we put that together and then realized it was it was um, not working and and to me that's not the end of the world that's generally as a rule the the case that that first screenings don't work and but there are things in it that are it's a great tool it's a great tool to help you find what the movie's going to be and it can guide you and you'll find things in in that sort of misshapen attempt to make a movie. You'll find things that work really well and things that don't work and characters that are working, relationships that are working, uh, thematic ideas that are working. And then you roll up your sleeves and, and, you, and you, you iterate and you collaborate and you try to find the better version. And then incrementally, you work towards what the movie is ultimately going to be. And, and so it did change radically. You know, we, it was after that first screen that, that I realized that we needed to have a, uh, this young character that very much wanted to be on the journey and that was going to really stir things up and really propel the story forward. And when Maisie joined the story, suddenly everything clicked. And and even the Jacob character that was that that was present in 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 the earliest iterations, um, even he started to to shine more brightly um, because the Jacob character we always thought thought of him as this kind of prototypical um, action hero, and we wanted him to be to be brave and bold and 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 have a heart of gold and be willing to put you know risk his life to save others and have all these admirable qualities but at the same time he is a character when you see him you're and you feel like oh he's probably he's used to things going his way right and then suddenly we introduced Maisie and she was such a fantastic foil for his character because she could talk circles around him and suddenly he was back on his heels and our actor Carl Urban was so good at playing that side of Jacob the kind of flummoxed an overwhelmed character that that where, where Maisie's driving her crazy, but on some level you can tell that he actually deeply cares about her and wants to keep her safe. So he became a more interesting character. And so that's one example of, of uh, the, the ways in which the story evolved. But the interesting th thing to me is the, the spirit of the film didn't change at all. Like the way that the, the tone and the feeling you get um, is, is exactly what I was hoping for from day one. And so I, I, I'm, I'm proud of having accomplished that. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, price line. Yeah. 
And I'm sure one thing that also didn't change was uh, the scope. I'm sure that that was something you always aimed for the whole time. And right from the opening seconds of this movie, the, the images are just huge. Um, so tell me about this, this epic imagery that you guys were able to create and how you developed this really epic visual style. Hmm. Well, it did. It's, that was a choice made early on. Um, I knew that I, that the world building was going to be a big part of 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 this movie, and and I wanted the world to be uh, something the audience could really experience. So that was going to be a big part of the experience of watching the movie. And so when when people would come on the movie, I would talk about movies like Lord of the Rings and shows like Game of Thrones, and I would always bring up Blade Runner as examples of of movies that that are set in worlds that feel complete and comprehensive. And you feel like there's a world going on outside of the frame and you feel like there's a there's a history that led up to the moment that the story began and and so i would i would talk about the fact that 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 was what, what i really wanted to emphasize for for this movie and and i also knew that we that that meant that we weren't we were never going to bend the the reality or the believability of the world just to get a cheap joke or to make a modern reference that yeah i might get a, a laugh but you undermine, you know, the the house of cards that is the world that you're trying to build, you know, and and so that that part of it was really important to me. And but I have to say, it's easy for a director to say these things, <laughs> but it comes down to the crew to actually execute, right? Because what I'm really asking for them to do is to is to think very deeply about this world and the history, but also to sweat the details. And and so we had an amazing production designer and Matthias Lechner and an incredible art director Moon Young Young. And their art team was was awesome, and they they understood what we were trying to do, and and so they designed every inch of this movie. And that's the thing about animation is is nothing comes for free. Everything you see in an animated movie is designed and built, and and a lot of the things that they were designing and building uh, were not things that were necessarily meant to draw the eye. They were things that were just meant to make the world feel feel true, and 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 that's a lot of work. And so that my, my hat is off to the crew for being able to, to pull off that, 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 that difficult feat. Totally. Uh, I was going to say too, you know, it's like, it's in the, the idea of history was like a big part of it. Right. Like Chris, Chris sort of said that, like the, the idea that it had all this stuff. It's like, you think about like the salt stains on like people's clothing and things like that. And it's like all these things that in a way does, it really does kind of recede right into sort of the, the full image but it's like giving you this input of what this what this world is, and it's it's doing all these sort of like sort of uh, subconscious things to mm. you when you when you view it, right? Um, mm. One of the other things I was going to say is like the scale and the scope of this movie were always gigantic, right? It was always going to be giant monsters on, and big ships fighting on the ocean, which I mean, literally is like three of the hardest things that you can do in CG, also, right? So it's like giant like scale differences between characters is is insane ropes just generally which i'm sure you've heard us talk about in other things and then <clears throat> the water clearly is is a problem but like it was one of those things where it was just like it 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 could work and i think one of the the the, the idea that the idea that we were going to embrace adventure films right and we were going to embrace these things that were really inspiration points for chris when he was thinking about the movie and that we were going to embrace that through the production design and the detail there but also through camera and through the you know through the editorial and through sweeping music and everything else that we add to sort of give give the audience that full experience i mean that to me was always there no matter how much the story sort of shifted and changed that was always there that was always the the thing we wanted to sort of fulfill i think mm. and 
finding the characters right is like a huge part of that but it's like um but 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 the the spirit of what it was as chris said uh, to me was always there that was always what we were trying to do so and, and you have to nice do your to research do you, you got to do oh, your research yeah. too for a movie like this or 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 the audience will feel it so we visited uh tall ships and dana point and and down in san diego and 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 really got you know the the tour where we really under started to understand how these ships actually work and and we worked with um uh, a costume designer who worked on game of thrones who really knew her stuff and was able yeah, to Michelle give us Clapton. yeah 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 and 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 she was able to talk about um the utility of it you know like why they would use pick certain fabrics and certain cuts over others and 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 little details like the the what jed mentioned was which is the salt stains that that she said the sailors would have. And, and we worked with an incredible guy named Gordon Lacko, who was the consultant on, or one of the, one of the main consultants on Master and Commander, um, who really knows everything about ships and the culture of ships in that time period. And, and so that when, when, we, when it came time to execute our, our action scenes, we always, had a, we always had an arrow in our layouts indicating the wind direction. And, and the sails and the maneuvers and the things they were doing always had to make sense according to that wind direction. And the things that the, you actually see the, the crews doing on deck are, are as accurate as we could make them. And, and, uh, and so the people who know ships are kind of struck by that. Like, wow, you guys really did your research. But even people who don't, they sense something. There's something that feels plausible and feels right about it. Um, and so, yeah, the research was absolutely critical for, for this film. Yeah, that's true of some of the vocabulary and the vernacular that's used also, right? It's like, how do we immerse the audience? That's another tool at our disposal that I think, you know, Chris, through the script with Nell, we really sort of found that language, even if you don't know what the heck they're talking about, like it gets you into that world, right? You know, you make, you feel, it makes you feel like you're on a ship. So um, it's, I, yeah, yeah. So I, I, it's like one of those things where it's like, it's the, the immersion, I think that we were able to sort of sustain for the audience is a huge part of the success of the movie. Absolutely. And along with that, the huge scope that comes along with this film is it's occasionally a little bit scary for as far as uh, animated films go, right? Um, and so uh, something I we hear directors of animated features say a lot is, you know, something to the effect of, you know, these animated movies aren't meant for kids. They're just, you know, exciting movies that we want to see or for, you know, for um, all ages can understand. And I, I totally understand that. But I wanted to ask, how do you balance the truth of that, that you just want to make an exciting movie for anyone to enjoy, but also balancing the the, the knowledge that the primary audience for a lot of, uh, or the primary viewership for a lot of animated films is still kids. How do you kind of balance those two things? Well, I'd say that that um, having worked at Disney for a long time, we, we really never did, and with all the movies I've worked on, we never once said, what does a kid want to see? Mm. You know, we always said, what, what do we want to see? What do we think can make the movie better? Um, and so, but there probably is in the back of your mind somewhere, um, you understand if you work at Disney that, that the, the movies have to at least be accessible for, for younger kids, right? Sure. Um, but it was never like a driving idea for us. And as, as movie lovers, we just wanted to make great movies. But, you know, having left Disney, I, I feel like we were able to, I was able to uh, envision a movie that was a little tougher, had a, a, a bit more of a sense of danger and peril, um, I wanted to establish the idea. This is a world where people can be hurt and people can die. And, 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 and yeah, there are moments that are, that are probably a little more intense and a little scarier than, than we would have even um, uh, imagined at, at Disney. Um, but it, it, the, it's still true that I was making a movie that I wanted to see 
and a movie that I was excited about. And I never really got outside of myself. Um, and, and I never asked our story team to get outside of themselves and try to guess what someone else might want to see. It was always, what do we want to see? Um, and I think that's the only way to do it. So. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Cause I think that sometimes you, you get to overthink some of this stuff, especially when you're trying to come up with like comedy things, you know, sometimes like that's the engine for a lot of animated movies is, is humor. That's another unique thing about the sea beast. It's like, it definitely has humor in it, but it really is an adventure movie first. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and so the, the engine of the movie is, is different a little bit. And I think also like, but what, what Chris is saying is totally true. It's like, you don't want to, you want it to be true to this thing that you're trying to create this vision that you have for the movie. And, I, I, it, what's funny to me is that, you know, it was new for me with Netflix is that Netflix never put a cap on what it is that we could do or show really, you know, or, and, and it was really just our own sort of process of iterating on the story and Chris's sort of feelings about like what he thought was right and everything that sort of got us to the movie in actuality, like it in the first version, there's, it's way more murdery than this one is. <laughs> so like there was a lot more stuff going on. So I say that as like, you know, it didn't get pulled out because we didn't think the audience could handle it. It didn't get pulled out because it didn't belong in the story anymore. And that's, that's really the guiding principle. And I think most of the best movies that I've ever worked on, are, that's always the guiding principle. It's true. And people sometimes underestimate what kids um, can handle um, and what kids are interested in. It, there was a point where um, we only had one uh, of what you would call like a test screening, but it was during the pandemic. So we never once had an audience in person together, but at one point, uh, we sent out a link to some some families and 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 you know and and just to kind of get uh, some feedback. Especially uh, Netflix was especially wondering about how this would play to 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 younger audience members. And so then we had one kind of uh, post screening discussion where they had I think it was an age group from like maybe like seven to nine or ten yeah. something like that. Jed, if I'm remembering, yeah, that's right. And there was a moderator. And and she asked the kids point blank, was there anything in the movie that was that was scary? And they all put up their hand and they all said the witch, the sea witch, referring to Gwen Batterby, the, the 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 weapons manufacturer. And the moderator said, said, oh, so you'd like less of Gwen? And they said, no, we want more. So there was there's this, this thing where like, yeah, you know, kids, they, they kind of like to kind of uh to 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 be be pushed a little bit and and find what, what they're comfortable with and um and so that was actually from the from a netflix standpoint the, the i think they were sort of you know probably relieved to see that 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 the younger audience members would would uh stick with it um but you know i, I don't think it necessarily is a movie that would be for younger kids or 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 for more sensitive viewers but it it was the we made the movie that that we that we wanted to make and it's incredible. I definitely have to let you go here in just a second. Can't let you go without talking more about your future at Netflix. Uh, Chris, you got two more uh, movies uh, in the works at Netflix, including The Sea Beast 2 and what you've described as uh, an original fantasy film, if I'm, if I'm not mis messing that up. I am so uh, curious to see the future of animation at Netflix. And I know you guys are as well. Yeah. Um, I'm just curious. I'm just curious what you guys think. You know, I feel I, you look at Disney, DreamWorks, Illumination, like all these studios. And there's kind of like an established look. You can kind of mm -hmm. look at a movie and know kind of which studio it comes from. Right. Um, but what's different with Netflix is there's so many more projects in a lot of different directions. Do you think in the future, Netflix will have this kind of established look that you can kind of pinpoint and go, oh, that's that's a Netflix animated film. 
or should they? I mean, I, I don't think so. I think that would be impossible. I think it would not be desirable. And even if it, even if you did want that, it would be impossible to achieve just because of the, they make so much stuff. And at this point, I think the genie's out of the bottle. Um, people, the animation industry is really on fire and, and really resisting any attempt to limit what we can do, the kind of stories we can tell, the, the, the genres we can take on, the looks. I think we're, we're expanding in, in, in so many different directions. And that's one of the big sources of pride, I think, in Netflix animation is that you can make a Wendell and Wilde and, and you can make uh, an Apollo thir a 13, wait, 12, wait, what's ten the number? And uh, 10 and a half. Yeah. <laughs> <Sorry. Yeah. laughs> and even I Lost My Body a few years ago yeah. was fantastic and, oh, yeah. and on and on and on, you know, Pinocchio, like uh, these are such such diverse movies as far as tone and look and storytelling. And, and everyone's really excited about that. And I think that, and this has been a banner year for animation. And I don't think there's any going back at this point. I don't think so. And I think the audiences really are wanting it too, on top of the, what Chris is saying, which is all true. I think audiences want that from animation. I don't think audiences want to just see the same family comedies that they've been seeing for a long time from animation. I think they want to see other things and they know we can push it. We've got great talent, great storytellers in the medium. And I think that's really what Netflix is trying to embrace. And that they're really trying to take that and push that forward, that momentum that we have uh, from from all these different people that have actually worked in lots of different established studios uh, for a long time, and but that still have this itch to make something else, right? And they keep pushing the genre, uh, they keep pushing the medium into something different. And I think that's really what they're trying to do. And and I don't think anyone would want to have style, right? That's kind of what you're talking about. And and I and I think uh, it's it's right for lots of different places, but it doesn't it doesn't feel right. That seems like the opposite of of what they're actually trying to build, which is this this diverse collection of artists with different voices, right, and different different thoughts about the world and the stories they want to tell. Good. Well, Chris and Jed, thank you again for your film. I love the Sea Beast. It's so incredible. Congrats again, and, and best of luck. Thank uh, you thank very you much. So much, Daniel. Really Great appreciate talking it. To you. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to Daniel Howitt's interview with the director for The Sea Beast, Chris Williams, and producer Jed Slanger here on the Next Best Picture podcast. The Sea Beast is up for your consideration for this year's Academy Awards for Best Animated Feature, Phil. You have been listening to the Next Best Picture podcast. We are proud to be part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, and you can subscribe to us anywhere where you subscribe to podcasts. Be sure to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know what you think of the show. We really appreciate your feedback and your support which you can also lend on over at Patreon. For $1 minimum a month, you will get some exclusive podcast content from us. Thank you so much for listening, as always, and we will see you all next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. 
Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.